Welcome to the See Through Design podcast, where we have an open and honest conversation about design design. Hosted by myself, Casper Samano. And myself, Liam Jackson. Hey, so welcome to another episode of See Through Design. Today we have Liam and Liam, would you like to do the honours? Well, we're really excited that we've actually got our first guest on the show. So basically, a couple of weeks ago, I got a message request on Instagram. And you know when you get those message requests and you think, oh, it's going to be a scammer (laughs) asking if they want to do something dirty with me. Um, And to my surprise, it was actually a fellow designer who goes by the name of Harrison Jones with this message, which I'll read out. Uh, Morning, Liam. I wondered if you might be able to help me at all. I have just set out on my design career after graduating from design college in December, and I have been looking for some local designers, and I really like reviewing some of your projects and seeing the work you have done. If you have any time this week, I would love to pick your brains about a couple of things. Let me know when would suit you. Thanks, Harrison. So as mentioned in the podcast before, we like to give back to the community when we can. So we arranged a call and we even gave Harrison two for one and brought Kaz along. <laughs> Much to his despair. <laughs> and we both found <laughs> Harrison's story um, really interesting and inspiring. And we think a lot of listeners would relate to it. So, yeah, we decided to get you on. So welcome to the show, Harrison. Hi. How are you doing? That's what a lovely intro. Thank you. It was uh, really epic. But before we start talking about design, I have got something I want to ask you, obviously, because you're the only person here that we're interviewing. Um, Did you know, and you've probably got this a lot, you've probably had this a lot, actually, is that your name is Harrison Jones. Mm -hmm. Harrison Ford played Indiana Jones. Yes, yeah. Were you named after either Harrison Ford or Indiana Jones? I was definitely named after... uh... Harrison Ford, that's for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, wicked. That's awesome. 100%. Yeah. We're having a little, you know, behind the scenes chat with Liam (laughs) and uh, we were discussing, we wonder how he's, um, you know, wonder what, uh, how he got, how how you got your name. But the one thing I'd say is, is that Harrison Jones is the name you trust, isn't it? You know, if you, if you wanted to get something done, (laughs) yeah, you could, you could guarantee that Harrison Jones is going to get it done. doesn't matter whether you're in the design industry or you know, <laughs> if you're a doctor. If you're a doctor, you know that you're going to get great surgery. From Dr. Jones. From Dr. Jones. If you're, uh, you know, <laughs> if, if, you, if you're a delivery driver, your parcel's going to get there, isn't it? You know, it's exactly what it is. So, um, so. awesome name. And I Thank think you. it's a great name that people are going to remember in the industry as well. And, um, yeah, I think... Uh, well, that's enough of that anyway. So, Liam, <laughs> that's, my, that's my curiosity settled. Back over to you with the first question, I guess. Yeah, I guess, well, when we had that Zoom call the other week, um, i say it was really inspiring. So we obviously know your background, but the listeners don't. So if you'd like to, you know, tell us who you are, what your background is. Yeah. Uh, well, basically... Uh... Around the age of 17, I was sick and tired of uh, my first year of sick form and uh, went out on my own to start a uh, property refurbishment company, um, managed to use some uh, funding from some family members to get uh, a mortgage. And uh, yeah, uh, did that at the start of the recession in 2007, which the timing wasn't that great, but 
to start being a designer during a pandemic is not exactly better timing. But uh, yeah, so I did that for roughly about 13 years. Uh, and, uh, you know, over that time, refurbished quite a lot of properties and uh, worked for some cool clients, uh, worked for a royal family of Dubai and a few other bits and bobs that were really interesting. Um, but over the over the course of my career doing that, I sort of lost a lot of love for it. And it became more and more important to me as I got to my 30s to do something that I would really enjoy. Um, and I've always been quite creative into music and you know, illustration and that kind of stuff. And um, I'd been sort of graphic design had been in the back of my mind for quite a while. Uh, but coming up to my 30s, I thought, you know, I need to make that change and do something that I will really enjoy. Uh, and through the through a friend, a, a family member of a friend, uh, I was told about uh, the Shillington design course uptown, uh, which is sort of like a three month intense um, graphic design course. Um, and looked into it, compared it to a few other courses, you know, uni courses and that kind of stuff. The part-time thing really didn't uh, appeal to me. Um, so I decided to go for it. I put myself on it and, uh, yeah, it was, it was hard work. The first one got cancelled due to COVID, uh, which wasn't ideal. Uh, but yeah, uh, after that, went in and, uh, did that course, saw it all the way through, really, really enjoyed it, enjoyed learning all about the, um, design principles and about branding and different forms of ideation and seeing all the different sort of aspects to um, design that there is uh, and yeah finished that in December and sort of just getting into my design career now so yeah it's it's really incredible and I think it's super inspiring it's one of the reasons why we wanted you to come on to the show you know we we met you last week we had that chat and it was just amazing to see and hear from somebody that has taken the um, decision to completely change their career path as they're approaching 30 and almost, if you like, start again. Um, you know, there's what else is interesting and kind of bringing, bringing up the conversation that we had, um, you know, last week was your sort of mentality towards um business because you've been in business you know what that's all about so you know i i feel that you were asking us how to kind of get into sort of design and you were talking about sort of junior roles and you were talking about roles where you would start and work your way up and yet i just felt that you were already above that because of your knowledge from (laughs) the other industries that you you've been involved in the property industry and this is the thing about design is yeah it is an industry but at the same time it shares some of the similarities in in the way you communicate and handle projects as it as any other industry yeah sort of in a similar way to a lot of the red flags that you were talking about definitely crop up in my industry prior you know people calling you out of hours and you know all those kind of things I think uh, there's definitely some crossover but I think the important thing for me was to sort of come at it from quite uh well trying to come up at it as humbly as possible because at the end of the day, I don't really know how a design studio would run. I know how I would run it myself, but, you know, doing business for that amount of time, there's definitely some bad habits that I picked up perhaps. And, you know, I think it's important to try and come at it with a fresh uh, outlook and, you know, learn from all the mistakes that I'd made in my previous years because, you know, you have to, I, I feel like I need to just take what I've learned from that and try and transition it as best as possible. So whilst I do feel that I have project management skills and 
really good like client relation skills i feel like um until i sort of either learn on the job by doing it freelance or going into an agency i think it would be a little bit sort of forward of me to try and act as though uh, i have all of those things without actually putting them into practice in the design industry no that makes sense absolutely liam have you got anything to add well i think that's just a really good attitude to have um and i do think kaz is right that you have got that advantage of being able to run a business i know it's like you say it's in a different sector so maybe there is some stuff to learn but i'm sure a lot of it will be transferable so a lot of listeners will you know they might be thinking about changing careers to become a designer as well so it'd be really interesting just yeah from this is early on in the interview but i think you know maybe we could get you on again um in a year or two just to see where you're at and you know hopefully that would uh inspire more people going forward absolutely i mean just to add to that it's kind of what's great is i think there's a lot of people that are probably unhappy in the work that they're doing and haven't really pushed um haven't really pushed themselves to kind of do what you've done and or maybe they're just you know again understandably fear fear takes over if you've got you know a mortgage and you've got certain um uh, commitments and and uh, responsibilities to kind of take a take a step back and think I'm not happy in what I do in, with my work and I want to completely change and yeah. um, that's inspiring because you know ninety percent of our life is going to be working unfortunately um, and if you're not doing what makes you happy then you're not happy in life to, to a degree are you so it really makes it it's a really important message about kind of i guess doing the things that you enjoy and 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 want and kind of thinking that actually you are the maker of your own destiny then you can kind of if you want to do something completely different you can you can do it i mean my dad always used to say to me you can do whatever you want to do son you can do whatever you want to do you can be whatever you want to be and you kind of believe it as a kid, but as you get older and you get kind of stuck in certain ways and you go to work and the rat race, you're in the rat race and you're just doing the day to day and you go home and you're, you're living for the weekends, you know that you're going to go out drinking on a Friday and a Saturday. Um, and then come, come Sunday, you've got those Sunday blues, haven't you? You're thinking, oh gosh, you know, I've got anxiety. Uh, my stomach is churning because I know that after I've watched, um, you know, whatever trash TV there, there was on uh, on a Sunday, you know, Lovejoy or Last of the Summer Wine, you know, back in the 90s, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to wake up and uh, it's going to be work and you've got a whole week of doing something that you're not happy about doing. So, um, yeah, fair play and, and, you know, absolute credit. But um, obviously you had uh, an element, you were an artistic guy, you know. Um, it shows in your work and I think anyone that's listening, you know, go and check out Arison's um, Instagram. It's got some great stuff on there, your website. Um, so what is your website? Is it, um, do you want to? Uh, it's uh, harrisonjonesdesign.com. And uh, that's the same with uh, Instagram is at harrisonjonesdesign. So, yeah. Yeah. So go and have a look and you'll see the work behind the guy that we're interviewing today. Um, so, yeah, obviously you've got a keen eye for design. Um uh, but what, you know, Liam, I guess one of the questions we've got is what did you enhance and kind of what, you know, you chose Shillington and it was a very intense cause. Um, 
what was the uh, areas that you really felt like were kind of blossoming, blossoming from from that course, and you've developed as such? You know, was it the illustration side? Was it the branding side? I'm guessing you touched on web design and things like that. Yeah, it definitely wasn't the illustration side. I think I definitely went into it that I had enjoyed illustration, and you know, I've. I've sort of enjoyed all that kind of drawing and all, all the stuff that I've, I've been doing, but I really wanted to get into the more uh, abstract and conceptual kind of stuff and sort of lean into that in, in terms of my learning. Um, and yeah, it, it was a really in-depth course. It went from really sort of drip feeding you stuff at the beginning, not being able to work with color and just learning the... Um, design principles and you know all about hierarchy and repetition and balance and all of those kind of things and then sort of slowly but surely giving you um, different tools to work with learning the different programs like illustrator and indesign photoshop and uh, sketch and i think for me the probably the most enjoyable part was the uh, branding Um, one of the projects that we had to do was um we were given a brief about uh, a startup and we then had to form the brand from start to finish. Um, they obviously give you a format to work with and kind of like help you out with, uh, you know, what direction you need to go in and what they expect at certain stages, which are very helpful. But um, yeah, it's just a really, really enjoyable process to kind of dive into that and um, learning about brand values and the the complete visual identity is something that really appeals to me and trying to have a cohesiveness across your whole brand, which I feel is, is really important. And, you know, once you learn that kind of stuff, you don't ever look at things in the same way. So whether you're sitting down watching adverts or you're out looking at things, you know, you really can see things that work and things that don't, things that look tired and, you know, let alone all the, you know, leading stuff and and, <laughs> and bad kerning and all that kind of stuff. But with the branding stuff, you can definitely see where brands really work across their tone of voice and, you know, how important tone of voice is and all that kind of stuff I thought was really, really interesting. That's definitely some something that I want to get into um, more. Liam, would you say, would you say just listening to Harrison there that that's, <laughs> it sounds like he's more knowledgeable going to Shillington and doing that uh, um, intense three months than probably me and you were doing the first five years of our design career. <laughs> Out to Shillington, really. Yeah, it definitely shows in your work as well. Like Kaz said before, your portfolio is really good. Um, I wish my portfolio was as good as that when I came out of uni. Um, I'm That's not slagging off my uni, just, you know, it's um, it's definitely is what you put in as well. For sure. I mean, we had we had a lot of help with, um, you know, they, they they portion out a section of the course for your portfolio. And, you know, shout out to my teachers that were, were there um, that were really, really helpful in making sure that, you know, they push you to get the best out of your portfolio as possible. It's the, the whole idea of it is not just the learning experience, but kind of like getting you to the point of being able to work. And obviously, we know how important in the design industry your portfolio is. So they really kind of like help you to take each individual project and push that out to roll out and all that kind of stuff to um, really make it as, as good as it can be. Yeah. Do you feel like now you've you made the right decision in terms of your route, like doing that intensive Shillington course? I know it's early days, but 
do you feel like it was the right thing to do or do you think you would have maybe preferred a longer uni course um i think well i think for me a, a longer uni course wasn't going to work doing it over 18 months part-time and all that kind of stuff really didn't appeal to me as much as doing something that was intense so that i could really just get into it and pour everything i had into it um you know i think that i i feel at the moment it was the right choice we we might have a difference of opinion in in a couple of years time um you know i'm not sure how much at the moment how much it affects my uh you know ability to get a job in this current market in terms of how much people might be just scanning cvs and looking for degrees and that kind of stuff um but you know i'm confident that i should i will be able to get work without it you know i've i've had a few jobs already which are which have been great um and sort of trying to get a few more leads together and that kind of stuff um but no i definitely feel like it was the right choice for me in terms of getting me ready to go to work as quickly as possible because it didn't seem as though what i would end up with at some of the uni courses would have necessarily got me ready to go straight to work as opposed to coming out and perhaps looking into some more Christo videos about this and that to get ready for work or that kind of stuff. Whereas I feel like they kind of, at the end of it, you do feel pretty much ready to, ready to go. Yeah. As I say, it does show in your work and other students I've seen from Shillington, like our friend Mark from uh, Creative Waffle, he went to uh, Shillington and his work is amazing. So I think they are shaking up the design education space. And I think in terms of what you're saying about maybe what potential employers are looking for, mm. I think they'll be looking at Shillington and saying, actually, their students are really good and really strong. So I don't think they'll be saying, well, they don't have a degree. It will just be, you know, they'll look at it on par with a degree. Um, and as you say, they are getting people ready for the industry. So maybe actually they'll look at it and say, we actually want Shillington students more so um how was i guess you know it's kind of a strange period your whole journey because of covid and everything um how was education during this time um yeah it was it was interesting i mean when we went to the uh open evening uh not last year year before it was all long collaborative tables with all the Macs on there and all that kind of stuff. And there's breakout areas and they're pinning stuff on the wall and printing loads of stuff out and all that kind of stuff. And then when we got round to my course last year, it was um, sort of very much hinging on what the lockdown situation was. And fortunately enough, um, I'm sort of very grateful to the fact that we were able to start the course in-house so that we were able to meet everyone and you know break the ice and um and all of that kind of stuff and then halfway through we had to go home uh, and did that for i can't remember how many weeks we were but it felt like forever and then back in for a, a few weeks and then the last three days sadly of the course is when we went into lockdown again and had to go home which wasn't ideal, but as I say, I was grateful to to be there and sort of meet everyone and form some connections in class before we had to go home. Um, other than that, we were all on separate tables. We had to wear masks or visors all day. You weren't allowed to sit down on the seats outside for like every other seat and all that kind of stuff. We couldn't print anything out. Um, so there was probably some 
uh, bits lost in terms of not being able to deal with the print side of stuff. But I feel like we learned a lot about that and sort of got into it, uh, learn about bleed, bleeds and slugs and, you know, different aspects of printing in terms of like, you know, Pantone colors and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like the learning was there. Um, it was just, you know, an augmented version of it. And the choice was either to wait for the next course, which I think was in sort in February, which again would have been under the same circumstances and perhaps, well, it would have been not been able to go in. So it would have all been online anyway. So I feel like I picked the right one to get started on. So at least I could have some of the a portion of the learning in house. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Yeah. That you've just pushed through and done it. Um, and now it's done. So now it's like, yeah, next, like next steps. Isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. You've, um, you've kind of achieved it at a difficult time. It's really, uh, quite amazing. <laughs> um, I guess, as we say, like I've said it a couple of times that your portfolio is like really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it, in terms of the education side, how did they teach you um, to, you know, put together your portfolio? Was it kind of them saying you definitely need a website or just, I guess, just your experience through Shillington? What was the kind of teaching there? Uh, well, over the course um, of the whole of the course, I think we did roughly about 30 briefs, starting at stuff that was very simple, as I say, without even color. And then going all the way to the end, more towards the end was when sort of the branding and packaging and that kind of stuff comes in. Um, and at the end of the of that portion of it, you sort of whittle it down to maybe 10 projects that you feel have strong core ideas that you can sort of push and roll out further. Um, and then you sort of discuss it with the teachers in a sort of collaborative way that can try and help you pick the best ones that would showcase different aspects of your, um, you know, of what you can do within design. Because really and truly, I wouldn't want to just all have the same thing. So, and I completely understand that you want to show some sort of variety in your work to be able to show that you can do um, different aspects of design. So they have a chat with you about that. You um, whittle it down to six, um, six or I think it was between sort of six and I think one person in the class managed to do like eight or nine maybe, but yeah, six projects. And then you sort of go into that. They sort of grade them in tiers to say which ones are, have a really strong core branding, um, strong design, um, and which ones you just need to sort of maybe just work on a little bit. Maybe it's just variations on color or little bits like that to then take to roll out. Um, some that need quite a fair bit of work to bring up to par and then some that might need just completely redoing. Um, and then one by one, you do all of those projects um, to the point when you're finished all of those, you then take them to roll out and work up your uh, mock-ups and whatever else you might have in plan for the specific project. Um, and then once you've finished all of that, you get your um portfolio together and do some sort of personal branding and then uh, put it together and then go through, uh, you know, various different um, rounds of amendments with the teachers and sort of get to a point where it's 
as it is. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Amazing. Sounds like an amazing process and a, a good one that they've taught. And looking at your work now, do you have a, a favorite project or one that you most enjoyed working on? Um, probably the one that I enjoyed uh, the most was we did a campaign project in which that we had to try and um, design an ad campaign um, that's aligned with uh, a brand and um, go from start to finish in terms of ideation of, of the brand, of the campaign itself, um, you know, who the demo is, um, all of that kind of stuff, come up with two separate concepts for the idea um, and then move forward with one of them. Uh, and the one that I chose was I did a collaboration between um, Calm or the campaign against Living Miserably and Weatherspoons. And it was aimed at trying to get um, sort of middle-aged blokes from the UK to try and start talking about their feelings a little bit more. Um, and the idea around it was that I feel that a lot of the um, mental health ads and campaigns are nowadays aimed a lot more at younger people. Um, obviously, there's still a market for all of that. I think it was in 2011 that um, Calm noticed a real sharp increase in calls to their mental health line of uh, people over the age of 35 um, about suicide and mental health. And as I say, between then and now, it seems like a lot of the focus has been on a younger audience. So I just wanted to try and take that back and really get into the heart of these people that don't really like talking about that. Um, so we ha had a couple of um, routes to go down, one of which was to try and take more of a football angle of it and advertise it at football grounds and all that kind of stuff. And the tone of voice would perhaps be a little bit more, not aggressive, but a little bit more rugged. And then the other side of things was going to be something that would go into a pub um, and that would be more based around their sort of second home, if you like, the pub. And uh, it would be a little bit of a softer approach, but perhaps something that was more um, akin to their um, slang and that style of language. Um, so from there, I decided to go down that route of being in the pub and, you know, trying to hit them you know, with beer mats and uh, toilet posters and all that kind of stuff um, to just try and get them to talk a little bit more. So um, the campaign was called Talk to a Mate. And um, yeah, it was it was just basically to try and get them to start talking to their friends a little bit more about how they're feeling and show that it's not a big deal and it's not, uh, it shouldn't have a stigma wrapped around it that perhaps uh, stereotypically a lot of these kind of blokes have um and then yeah from there you build the sort of visual identity around it choose some colors one of the ideas was that it sort of lent back a little bit to an old school betting slip that they pick up that you know used to have on paper that nowadays it's all online um and then sort of refine that down and you know you have your mood boards together at the very beginning and and sort of just go through various iterations of creating posters and the beer mats and um and then in the portfolio time, that's when you can sort of start to make a website and all these other things that show that you can really sort of flesh out the, the, the campaign completely and, and uh, see it all the way through and, and show it on these various different aspects of rollout. Wow. I mean, it's 
it sounds so in depth. It really does. Um, <laughs> I kind of feel like I want to get one of these tutors on from Shillington. What do you reckon, Liam? Should we, yeah. should we do it? Because I think the listeners are going to absolutely love hearing a bit more about what goes on behind the scenes. But it's just interesting how you've picked that as like one of the the projects that you worked on that you you know find quite close and you you really enjoyed it and yeah you know it's it's very interesting because in my career I found that working you know as designers we I think even when we were listening to a clubhouse the other day uh, Liam you know um, one of the guys on the stage was asked you know do, you, do what's the um, the work that you've done you know is have, have you done anything that's ever changed the world and because we work in, we generally design, we, we can work in like kind of corporates and we're selling, we're trying to sell stuff that it's not every day that we get projects that have a true, you know, true meaning behind how they are going to affect people. Um, I know for a fact that, you know, mental health is very close to my, um, to my life because of, you know, the struggles that I've had with it. And uh, likewise, I've, I've had a couple of projects through my career Um one was to design a logo for a mental health app, um, which is in development. And it just means more than the job, I think. Um, it means more than the job, more than the money that you're being paid to do it, because there really is something that goes into that job that is beyond, I feel, that you just can't explain it. And I, I think when it change, when you know that it changes somebody's life for the better and you've had an impact in that, I think that's, it makes sense. That becomes quite a close project. Um, so yeah, I totally get that. And, uh, you know, the, the things that you've done from doing that project ultimately kind of give you such a good foundation that if something like that brief comes up again, um, and it's in the sector of the NHS or mental health or, you know, something that is around that, um, kind of awareness you know making making something you know aware to the public that isn't you know people may not have known that mental health was such a big issue for men over the age of 35 or 35 on upwards so i totally get it and i think those are the projects that i i think are the, the projects that we can kind of look back in our careers and say those are the ones that actually meant something there's a lot of projects that become just forgotten about over time um but yeah i mean i did a project for deafblind uk very similar campaign about raising awareness for people with deaf uh, you know who are deaf and blind and um yeah that made so much made it made so much of an impact to me and i was just you know just and, and it does mean something still now knowing that i did that way back when i was like 19 so um yeah that's really cool so as anyone in particular, I mean, obviously, you've probably looked at loads of designers and loads of people's work. Yeah. Who, who has inspired you, I guess, for, throughout your journey so far? Is there any particular di designers that you look at and you go, wow, that's that's where I want to be. That's the benchmark I want to get to. Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably quite a difficult question. I think that really and truly, it's you take in so much at that point that <laughs> it's quite difficult to go into perhaps one particular um, person. Um, but yeah, I, I think maybe I really enjoyed looking at the work of Neville Brody and like uh, 
a lot of the stuff that he was doing was was really interesting. Um, really enjoyed. Every week they get you to do um, a piece of homework on a particular designer, sort of appertaining to what you're learning about at that point. Um, and yeah, he was he was a really. I think I might have actually just been given. I think on the first week they give you the name of someone. Um, he was someone that was really interesting. Um, I also learned about this uh, this guy called Aaron Douglas, who was a designer back in uh, America. I'm trying to think what it was. Um, he was one of the first um, like black designers in America, and he used a lot of like geometric shapes and just reading into the way that his design was influenced by a lot of Egyptian art um, and all the sort of subtle me- messaging that you could see within his um, his artwork and his design was really interesting. And um, yeah, th- I, th- I think there was just quite a few. You just sort of took in quite a lot of, you know, different designers and different designs. Um, but I don't think there was necessarily one person in particular. I think that um, it was just, very interesting to cover quite a wide variety and see a different um, sort of aspect of design for, you know, so many different designers. And every week when uh, you would do this, create this sort of presentation, um, you wouldn't necessarily present it, but they would pick a few people every week to present one of these um, designers and what they'd learn. And it was really interesting to sort of see just this whole variety uh, of, of um, different designers and studios that people picked. Um, so, yeah, the, I mean, we, we covered people like someone and Pearl Fisher and, um, you know, a few sort of, of the bigger names. But, um, yeah, it was, just, it was just interesting seeing everything. I don't think there was necessarily one in particular. I think it was just all of them, all of the above, really. I think, yeah, I love, what, I love seeing, you know, uh, Liam's expressions because Liam's like a, a knowledge bank when it comes to, designers he knows everybody is i don't know i don't know everyone i bet all the names you mentioned there he's like yeah yeah studied them did those, <laughs> did those ones at the university whereas i'm just like yeah neville Brody, he's cool <laughs> you know but i'm definitely going to go and check in check out those you know other designers that you mentioned you're actually wrong can i just put in there you're actually wrong because harrison has just taught me about aaron douglas who i didn't know so i did while you were just talking i did just Google him and yeah, yeah, his work looks amazing. It's um, good, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. What, what's cool about that is just, I think, you know, you find a lot of designers to begin with, they kind of, and I guess it's sign of the times as well, that most of our inspiration comes from one source, the internet. Um, in, in, in some cases, due to timescales and just the way the world is, that might be the only place that you guys or, or designers go and look. So yeah. you might kind of see a designer or a, an artist and emulate their style and almost that be your kind of go-to. Whereas it's important to, you know, if we think about artists that may be considered seminal artists, people that are real kind of like the ones that we look for, for inspiration, they've been, they've probably blended so much inspiration from other designers that it's now become their style and that because it's their style, the inspiration is just 
so diluted that you can't even work out where it's come from. Mm. Um, and that's great, you know, because it, it, it becomes something new and something fresh and, and different. Um, and uh, you kind of only do that really from kind of looking and studying different designers and picking out the bits that they like and mixing it together and, and kind of blending yeah. it all. Um, but I think it is kind of important to point out to, you know, younger listeners that might be listening in how, how important that is because you can fall in the trap of just looking at one style of design or one, one artist or one designer's style and just spend a career emulating that. You almost want to get to a point of experimenting with all these different styles, bringing them together, making it your own so that, you know, with the aspirations that one day, you will become that artist that is the go-to for that style and that inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to kind of mention that, just to you know, kind of pull it out from what you were saying and 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 um, kind of drill that one home, so that you know people listening or younger designers that are listening can kind of look to um, go down that road. So yeah, I do. Yeah, I think it's good to be a to be like a sponge, especially at the start of your career. Just take everything in. And it's always better to look at loads of different stuff anyway. Um, like one way I look at it is that I, I really like music and I, I have a very eclectic taste. And it feels like there's a, you know, there's a mood for every kind of music, really. And I think you should look at the design the same way. It's like, you know, you do have to know about certain styles and different things so that's you know looking at as many different people's work as you can is a good thing i think i think being a sponge is a great way of putting it liam that's yeah i think that's the best way to be you know become a sponge (laughs) um and sponge money off your mates as well (laughs) as design skills from designers (laughs) so with that in mind i'm gonna ask you a question go for it Obviously, you've spoken about the designers and artists that inspire you. What mm-hmm. kind of current content out there is uh, kind of keeping you um, up to date with current affairs in, in the design industry? Like, you know, are there any podcasts, apart from ours, obviously, that you've been listening to religiously <laughs> since you came on air? And, uh, you know, websites, blogs, books. Are, are, are there anything that you would say that you kind of use to you know keep that brain that muscle going um yeah i mean at the moment i think as always like instagram's pretty good source for um you know looking at what's hot at the minute and i think for me i just want to keep learning about more and more different things as well as honing specific skills so um i really enjoy looking at the um I love dust um, studio. Um, I don't know if you've seen them. They do like a lot of sort of um, quite radical 3d and um, animation and that kind of stuff. They do a lot of work with Nike and um, another sort of few brands. And I think one of the posts they did recently was about, they were sort of recreating an old um, Super Nintendo game or something like that and they do some really cool stuff which is um, really interesting um, but Tina Tooley's a lot another person that I sort of quite like she did a talk for us at Shillington as well which was really interesting and 
talked a lot about her design process um, and how she kind of looks at the world as it is and um, showed us some of the processes that she used to create some of her designs, which were really kind of inspiring just to try and get um, a different look and a different perspective on how to ideate. And I think that is one of the downfalls of the internet is we sort of talked about it a bit at um, college is, is, you know, Pinterest can just be a whole of seeing the same stuff and it's sort of too easy to just go there and have a look at what's on there or design inspiration or something like that. So doing that kind of stuff is, is, is good, but, doing this kind of different ideation and trying to get out in the world and looking at stuff in a slightly different perspective is, is really good um, and really helpful. Um, one of the podcasts that I like is Creative Rebels, which I find is really, really good. They had a recent one with um, Seth Godin, which was really interesting. Um, I like a lot of the stuff from the future as well. Like their um, videos are pretty good. I really enjoy it. I think one of the, things that kind of tipped me over into graphic design after I'd started thinking about it was I was looking at some different videos of theirs and I'd watched their um, branding series about the beer company. Yeah. um, Which I think we spoke about the other day. Um, But that was quite a sort of real good insight as to how they present, how they, you know, bring together these different, um, routes to go down and how the clients respond to them and all of that kind of stuff, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and then, yeah, just any book I can get my hands on at the minute, I'm trying to read as much and as quickly as I can. Um, I really enjoyed reading Creativity Inc., the one about the um, guy that created Pixar. It was a really interesting read about like creativity and culture and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I've got a few on my Amazon watch list. To, as soon as I finish one book, I'm ordering another one to get going. So, um, yeah. And just thinking about the the kind of the, the content that you are consuming and, and the way that you're kind of enriching your subconscious, really, um, from, you know, kind of looking into this stuff is that you're right when it comes to Pinterest, you know, from a commercial aspect as well, you may be given a brief in, in a design agency where down to a whole host of things, budget, time, um, limitations, such as the amount of people involved in the project, you may only have Pinterest in order to build a mood board. So it's like, in some cases you are, you are restricted and you may only have Pinterest, but the, but I think what's the kind of the lesson, I guess, is you may not be, you, you may not be going out there and, you know, um, taking photos of macro, you know, macro photos of of uh, sand and dirt to get interesting te- textures, etc. Because you can't on all jobs in the commercial world. But the point is, is that it's okay to maybe go and get a Pinterest board for a specific project. But it's also important to go and enrich your subconscious, even when you've not been given a brief, because you're going to basically bring that back into the forefront when you are working on stuff. It's like, I've often had projects where I've gone, I don't really need to create a mood board because I feel like I've already got that content inside me. I've been kind of looking and reading and and going out in, you know, I've looked at art galleries, I've looked at design books and 
you almost feel like you've you've enriched your mind ready for the project that you didn't know you were going to get like two months before you actually started it um so i think it's really important to just keep it's almost like a workout for the brain isn't it really it's like a it's like going to the gym for the brain so um staying up to date on certain things is is really good and also i think staying up to date doesn't always mean up to date with the latest stuff like actually taking a a view at looking back into the past and seeing what came before and maybe delving further into the the reverse timeline and going past you know the 60s um the 50s going right way into like you mentioned ancient egypt and 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 looking at certain <laughs> things in design around around that so uh yeah yeah i mean nothing's original is it nowadays so i think whether you look back 10 20 years i don't think i think you just got to look for what you can take certain aspects of and what are inspirational to you and what relate to the project that you're working on so yeah i think it doesn't matter what you look back at if you can try and figure out what works for you and what doesn't or what works for you know your client or what doesn't i think that's quite important right absolutely and, and it's kind of relevance as well like i guess you know is it relevant to the brief is the design decision relevant to the brief and we spoke about that in i think in our idea generation prod, um, podcast about relevance of the design decisions um but yeah you're absolutely right you know uh, there's books that state originality doesn't exist and it's just building on the work of others um, there's probably a few cynical designers out there that would disagree with that comment. Um, maybe a few, few people that find that comment quite uh, daunting um, or deflating. But yeah, ultimately, creativity is is innovation, and innovation is coming up with ideas to improve what's already been done. I guess. Um, but yeah, no, that's. Uh, that makes absolute you know total sense um so you you know you mentioned about your decisions on um you know, going to shillington and now you're at a point where you finished the course and you're at a bit of a crossroads and you know i guess what we wanted to kind of find a bit more find out a bit more about was um how's it been finding a job um and you know kind of have you have you started to think about whether you want to work for somebody or you want to do your own thing um you know what what ways have you tried to you know look for a job and um you know things that have been more successful than the others i guess we're sort of delving into you know how how has it been and and what you've been up to um in in kind of finding a job and one of the things that you did do was reach out to Liam um which is <laughs> yeah. one of your <laughs> ways to find out a bit more about the industry and you know ways of getting a job um so I, I mean yeah he, he has an offer to employ you I don't know if I'd want to work with him anyway <laughs> <laughs> um, you won't want to work with me <laughs> <laughs> no that's it it'll be German base you'll be doing your editing after all <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I always had a plan sort of um, before I went into the course that my ideal would be to come out. And I think we sort of touched on it before about going into it um, with the mindset of learning as much as I can at a ground level to then sort of transition some of my skills that I picked up in my previous career 
um, to transition them over to design, like the project management and client relations and all that kind of stuff. But perhaps going in at a, an intern or junior level to try and um, gain a little bit of a better understanding of the way that studios work. Um, I mean, my plan would be eventually to, you know, have probably my own studio or something like that, that um, um, which I could sort of collaborate with other like-minded people and and that kind of stuff. So I definitely wanted to get into uh, a studio setting to learn about that. But obviously the corona hits and it's not exactly ideal at the moment. Um, so what I decided to do was just um, at the very beginning, just apply for as many junior and intern jobs as possible um, through LinkedIn, the job, the dots, if you could, um, all those kind of usual platforms. Um, and at the same time, try and network with as many people as possible. Um, so just speaking to any of my friends that might know someone or um, just going down any route I can to speak to people. Um, and then also at the same time, trying to keep on top of um, doing a little bit of what design work to keep my brain active and also trying to do a little bit of upskilling as well to sort of improve on the skills that I'd already started. Um, so yeah, it's just trying to divvy up my time. I think it was probably about two or three weeks ago um, that I had a really interesting couple of conversations with two older designers, um, one of which who runs his own successful design studio and another one who's a successful freelancer um, and just trying to get as much information as possible as to you know how people view the market at the minute, um, if they've got any advice for me for getting jobs and moving forward and um, all of that kind of stuff. And it sort of became apparent to me that a lot of design studios were perhaps struggling or not necessarily hiring people at the moment, or if they are, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that have been out of work as well due to the, um, the pandemic. So there's a lot more competition in terms of who's going for jobs. Um, so I think I sort of took the mindset that I would try and um, go freelance as well as applying for intern jobs or uh, some of the other jobs as well that, that more fit what I was trying to achieve learning wise. Um, and yeah, just sort of keep, as I say, I think networking's probably been the most important thing. Um, and at the same time, also, um, since what I would like to get into is branding, I've started to blog uh, on my website and, you know, post adjoining things on Instagram and um, LinkedIn to try and get, um, you know, a little bit more exposure, perhaps show I give value to my uh, sort of potential clients, but also um, show a little bit of uh, experience or authority that I kind of know what I'm talking about and um, just sort of going into that a little bit more. Um, I managed to pick up a branding project um, through a friend. Um, There's a couple of guys that were starting a uh, an app that they built. Um, neither of them are creatively uh, inclined, shall we say. Um, so the app's been completely built on um, sort of function alone or just just the idea behind it. Um, and they brought me in and, you know, they showed me what they had so far and we sort of had a good discussion, um, trying to be as collaborative as possible in terms of bringing sort of more of a creative mind to the um, project. And, um, yeah, it's been it's been really – that project for me has been really good and it's been really – a good way to keep my design mind exercised and looking into the colors and lang even down to a tone of voice and language, I think it's been really important for them to try and 
capture the most amount of people. And um, I mean, it's only in the beta phase at the moment, but um, those kind of things are I find really, really interesting. So yeah, it's just been a real mix of, um, of stuff. I think it's very easy to get disheartened and I definitely have some sort of down days that I feel like is, is quite uh, tough and like, you know, have I made the wrong decision and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, once I gather my thoughts, um, I know that, you know, it's only a matter of time. I just have to keep up with it. Um, and really, I'm only a couple of, you know, a month and a half from finishing my course. Um, so I'm just trying to press on, learn, um, come at it as humbly, humbly as possible and just get some work on the table and, and get going, really. So, yeah. It's amazing. And I think the those doubts you're having uh for myself i'm sure kaz will agree that they don't really go away you'll always have things in leaps and bounds where you think oh this this is amazing and then other days when you're just like you know oh that's really bad and what the hell am i doing yeah it's just the nature of creativity isn't it it's um Mm. you know you're all you you are your own worst critic really um for sure so yeah i think i mean the pandemic definitely doesn't help you know being cooped up and not allowed to see anyone or hug anyone or yeah. go for a pint or mm. dinner yeah. you know cooking two meals a day seven days a week is not fun for a complete year so i'm sure that has some sort of effect on it yeah um, but yeah yeah absolutely no i think those things are definitely apparent in in everyone at the moment um anyone that's kind of stuck in their own four walls and struggling to kind of entertain an overactive mind um or or you know silence it by doing other things it's yeah it is really hard i mean it's you know the pandemic has been one of the reasons why myself and liam started this podcast so it's kind of helping us get through it as well and uh um yeah so it that makes absolute sense you know from what you just said there as well you know a couple of things that i kind of picked up on were how you you know you went out and actively asked these older designers uh for information for example now one thing i wanted to say was is i can't speak for everyone but i think that any designer who's seasoned and has had, you know, a lengthy career would love, absolutely love somebody reaching out to them to ask them a question about their career um, and give back. I mean, I know it's something that makes me happy when people ask me about, you know, for advice and mentoring, but um, there, you know, maybe there's some younger designers out there that are a bit, you know, shy about reaching out to other designers that have been seasoned, you know, that are seasoned and been in the industry for such a long time. I say, just go for it. You've got nothing to lose. And nine times out of 10, I can't imagine anybody not wanting to help or give you some advice. Um, I think what I found is that over the years that I've been doing this is that I don't really see competitors. I see collaborators and the design community, you know, people that myself and Liam know, we, we're all working on our own projects and we can all come together and talk to each other about certain things. We're not, we're not holding cards to our chest and keeping secrets. We're embracing each other's, uh, skill sets and 
learning on the job and asking questions and we're doing that right now into our careers 20 years on um so it's really important to kind of keep that dialogue going and those questions are are getting asked and you are utilizing the experience of other people um by asking those questions and, and getting as much as possible from it so uh yeah i think that's really good advice to designers starting out is don't be shy go and ask and no question is a stupid question yeah and also you don't have to you know you don't have to take the advice that people give you i think it's it's been really interesting to speak to such a sort of wide variety of designers and the two older chaps that I was talking about, one of those is, you know, more of a businessman and the stuff that he was talking about was very, you know, it was very in line with thinking about running a business and running a studio and, and how one goes about that and, and different sort of bits of advice on that. Uh, and the, the other chap was more down the sort of freelance route. So the advice that they gave, I find them both extremely valuable. And I think it's just picking out what's going to suit you and what Absolutely. what will work and trying to figure out what will work for you. A lot of the time, I think we also might not be inclined to take some of the advice that's perhaps a little bit harder. So it's you know, it's a bit of a minefield, but you've got to try and figure out what's the advice that doesn't suit you and what's the advice that you probably need to listen to, uh, even if you don't like the sound of it. But, you know, stuff like, you know, for me, trying to lean back perhaps on some of my property stuff, I think we spoke about it the other day, is not where really where I want to be um, in, in the long term. Um, but in the short term, I think it's just a hot, it's just, it's it's difficult for me to feel like I want to get back into that kind of industry. But at the same time, if I can, you know, have a better understanding of their pain points and a better understanding of where they're coming from and what their clients are looking for, then I've probably got a step up from a lot of the designers that would be getting in contact with them. The same way, um, you know, one of my friends who's a designer, she used to work in the fashion industry and a lot of her clients now have some sort of fashion background. So it might be cutting off my nose to spite my face to just completely um, take that out of the equation when perhaps it is something that, you know, might help me pay the bills and get through until I can actually, um, you know, get more into the niche that I want to get into. So from that point, is there a job or um, a specific brand or agency that you would dream to work for or um i'm not sure i think i think probably someone like i think i mentioned like pearl fisher earlier on i think they're really kind of interesting um agency and i think i'm i'm you know one of their uh, projects that always stands out to me is that seed lip the non-alcoholic gin mm -hmm. they did all the branding for that and that kind of thing really interests me, I think, in terms of just like it's a bit of a rebellious product, but it, it sort of stands on its own and it's, you know, the illustration on it's beautiful and all of that kind of stuff, I think, is, is quite interesting to me. But um, I don't think there's necessarily one that I would specifically say that I'd really want to work, work for, but um, they would be probably top of my list off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, someone that's got a little bit of variance 
Um, and yeah, with, with a sort of branding focus, I think is, is definitely um, what would suit me. And that kind of answers one of the questions that we had on our list about niching down. You know, you've mentioned branding a few times during this interview. And I guess, am I right in thinking that you, what you what you want to do is maybe experience a little bit of a little bit of everything to begin with in whatever agency you get a job at and then eventually sort of just you know focus on branding and that be the, the you, you, well that be your main and only focus um in regards to you know working in the industry yeah i think so yeah i think for me the the course the shillington course is really good at giving you a little bit of a taster of everything so i know that typography is not what i want to niche in there was a guy on my course connor who was just so good at typography it's unreal and he you know if i ever needed any typography done i'm gonna to go to him <laughs> i wouldn't trust myself to do it i'd go to him shout out to connor then what's his instagram handle <laughs> let's give him a plug while we're on I don't actually know it. Oh, okay. Off my heart. Fair enough. Well, well, maybe you'll post a link in the uh, in the in the comments. <laughs> but yeah, um, the same as like there was a guy Harry on my calls who was amazing at um, illustration, and I just I think that I'd like to get to a point where I'd be able to sort of have a group of collaborators that would sort of come together. Maybe they're all freelancers, but just as a sort of collective group that are able to pair together. And, um, and sort of work on that kind of project. So I feel like if I'm, if branding's what I want to get into and that's where I can sort of hone my skills and learn as much as possible about, there's going to be other areas that I won't be so good at that I'd prefer to trust in someone that I know that's really good at that to get that executed as, uh, as good as possible. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. You were talking earlier about, um, you know, looking at, you've been looking at and reading different stuff, but then you're quite keen to keep your skills up. So uh, do you have any like passion projects and stuff on the go? I know you said you're working on that branding project for that app, but are you actually doing any of your own projects from your back? And if so, what, what are they? At the, at the moment, I've just got a couple of projects like that, that um, there's a few of my friends are thinking of put, putting together a little, um, sort of company about investing um, and I'm sort of thinking that just even whether that goes forward or not that's something that I've started looking into and sort of working around personas and that kind of stuff in terms of actually getting into a passion project I haven't got I haven't carved myself enough time to do that as yet it's something that's definitely you know high on my priority list to get sorted but at the moment with the applying for jobs, blogging, um, upskilling, uh, networking, uh, trying to get my own jobs, cold calling, all that kind of stuff. There's not been too much time for, for that. So uh, I'm hoping to carve out a little bit of time for that, but it's I'm still in sort of a phase where it's really only the last couple, week or so that I've really figured out what I think my route's gonna be. Um, and now that that is in play, uh, it's just sort of getting all of my time divvied up over the week to be exactly right. Uh, and then if I've got a little bit of time left over that's not to do with some of these other projects that I've got going on, 
um, that might bring in some money, then I'm definitely going to get onto a passion project. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Get any cash anyway, any way that you yeah. can sort of thing. Um, For sure. And and kind of you mentioned root there, you know, it's uh, it's definitely a fitting word for this whole interview. And uh, it kind of leads me on to the question, you know, what's your advice to people looking to change career and, you know, go in a different route? Well, um, I think, I think, I think it's probably just, I hate to say just go for it, but I think it's a situation where just get a plan together. I think that's probably the first way forward is like, is it a feasible thing for you to do? I'm very fortunate that I've got a supportive wife who, you know, looks after me financially at the moment, which is, <laughs> which is fine. Um, but you know, before this, before the course and everything, we've been saving hard to get this money together. And I was fortunate that we can save together. And as I say, she is so supportive. And um, I think you have to get your finances in play if you yeah. want to be um, doing that, getting the right money so that if, if you don't have work for several months, then you're going to be okay. And having sort of, I think Christo describes it as a runway. So just making sure that you've got that runway to... Um, take the time that you need without feeling too much pressure. Um, because, you know, especially if you're going into a creative field, the last thing you want to be doing is putting too much pressure on yourself because you're just not going to be able to work under that pressure. Um, so yeah, I just, I just think just go, go for it, but make sure you've got a plan in place. That's probably my best advice. Great advice. Yeah. That's a really, really, you know, top, top advice to people that are looking to change career. Definitely. So I guess to wrap this up, we had one last question, which might be a difficult one, but what's the best piece of advice you think you've had throughout this whole journey um, and that you'll probably look back on and think, wow, that was that was really uh, good advice that carried me through it? Do you know what? I think that um, for me, there's always been doubts, which I'm sure there are for everyone before you make the change. And I think just as cliche as it probably is, just you've got this was probably just something that my wife kept telling me. And, you know, that was probably something that just kept me going. But I'd say that probably the most insightful thing that's happened afterwards is the amount of people that have said to me that they feel kind of like inspired or or whatever you want to call it to make the change themselves like you know I've had a few friends a few close friends that have sort of said that and um, I've just felt that it maybe has given them a little bit of a boost to say that you can do it so I think I think that's it really for me is like the proofs in the pudding like once I'd made the change and started doing it I think the fact that people were giving me such you know positive energy and being so supportive was just probably the most helpful thing. So it might not have been a specific part of advice, but um, once I'd done it, I think that the amount of support that I got through, um, you know, friends and family was was really, really good. That's amazing. And I think, yeah, it's good that you got that support there. And I think even though you have got support, I think it's amazing that you've just gone and done it as well, because a lot of people would just sit around and go, oh, you know, I don't know. And I think like you say it is inspiring and i hope lots of people listen to this and feel inspired and you know hopefully it will help them give give them 
the push that they need. Absolutely. Yeah. I think your, you know, your story is one that's going to help many. And uh, sorry, Liam, I feel like I cut you up there. You look like you're about to say something else. And uh, <laughs> I went in with uh, both feet again and uh, stole your thunder. But um, yes, mate. Yeah. I think uh, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Definitely. And you know, hearing, Likewise. you know, hearing about your, 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 your kind of path. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate your, really appreciate your advice. And, you know, it is, it is always amazing, the kindness of strangers and, you know, we didn't know each other and um, the fact, you know, it is always worth just trying to reach out because you don't know what will come of it. And, um, you know, I really appreciated your guys time the other day and giving me some advice and um, yeah, I just, I just wanted to say thanks very much for, for your time and, and your advice. Oh, you're welcome. No worries. You're welcome. I guess it would be good if you could pass that baton on as well. Like, you know, in once you're on in your career, you'll get people coming to you and saying, you know, have you got any advice or help? And that's all that we could ask is that you carry on, you know, holding that torch and passing that torch on. And I think, like has mentioned earlier about it's it's all about community and we're trying to build this scene up. And that's what it's all about sure. really, you know, just help each other out. Mm. It's not just good for you. It's good for the whole industry. Yeah. And like you were saying, there's enough room for everyone, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone's a stranger until they're a friend, aren't they? And you can make many of them if you just like, you know, reach out like you did. Um, me and Liam, we started connecting in in you know kind of different groups and talking about design and you know now we're doing a podcast together and uh looking after each other's best interests and mental health and uh dealing with the imposter syndrome and helping each other through those certain things that kind of plague designers and creatives uh every day so um yeah definitely it's uh it's worth reaching out and um kind of like you say building a building a, a good solid network of people with different skills and you can call upon and help with projects or you could just have a shoulder to cry on when you need to. Um, it's really valuable. So where can people find you in this virtual digital world? <laughs> yeah. So my website is uh, Harrison Jones design, um, dot com. And my Instagram is at Harrison Jones Design. That's double R, one S, in case you're wondering. But yeah, um, that's about it. You can just catch me on there. And um, as I say, I'll be putting out blog posts and all of that on my website to try and, uh, at the moment, I'm just setting up one about how to write a brief, which should be quite interesting. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out for that and yeah, catch me on there. Awesome. awesome. So it's been, it's been really good to have you on. So thanks so much for your time. Thank you, guys. And this this is our first interview, Liam. Uh, we've absolutely amazing. There's going to be many more interviews coming up. We've thoroughly enjoyed it. And we look forward to uh, bringing you guys another show, talking about design, interviewing people that we think are definitely going to help you in your careers. And we just hope that we keep bringing out good shows for people to listen to and people start following us more and sharing this content. So, uh, yeah, it's been great. Been an absolute pleasure. 
See you next week. Yeah, man. See you next week.